You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. An apparent drive-by shooting in Surrey targets a radio host critical of ongoing gang violence, leaving at least one bullet hole in her SUV. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Many in Surrey tonight believe the gun violence is beyond crisis levels. We'll have more on that drive-by shooting that could easily have killed the host of an internet radio program in just a moment. But first, the latest on the mystery around the fatal shooting of a 47-year-old father, OR nurse and minor hockey coach. Paul Bennett shot while sitting in his own driveway. Ramina Dea is live in that neighborhood for us tonight. And Ramina, those who knew of Bennett say it just doesn't make any sense. I won't say investigators will only tell us that this was targeted. I'm Paul, and this is the video laparoscope. This video of operating room nurse Paul Bennett was shot just last month. What that means for you as a patient is better surgical outcomes. Colleagues at Peace Arch Hospital shocked and heartbroken. Paul Bennett was a champion for our fundraising efforts. He was passionate about his patients and his hospital. He's dearly missed by all of us who were lucky enough to know him. The 47-year-old husband and father of two was sitting in his pickup truck on his driveway in Surrey when he was shot multiple times around 4 p.m. Saturday. When I came back, uh, the uh, our, our neighbor was, you know, obviously in distress already and uh, um, the wife was doing CPR. The shooting targeted, according to homicide investigators. Impossible, say those who knew the dedicated hockey coach and volunteer. No, it doesn't fit with the Paul that I've, I've gotten to know and to appreciate and, and to see. This was a very devoted, devoted guy to our association, but first and foremost, his family. More than 200 shootings in Surrey in three years. Residents vexed, demanding more officers, wondering what is it going to take to get a handle on the violence. We've had enough of this. We don't, we don't, we, we don't want it anymore, and people are fed up. And I am angry that this happens, not only in the city of Surrey, but throughout the lower mainland. That turns to purpose, and I purpose as the chief of police in Surrey to ferret out those who are responsible and bring an end to this violence. Now details on that drive-by shooting that could easily have killed the host of an internet radio program. She was shaken up, but she tells our Aaron MacArthur she won't be silenced. The damage is alarming. What looks like a bullet hole in the driver's side door, a blown-out back window, and a tire that isn't there anymore. According to Ashiana Khan, she was shot at Saturday night. At the moment, I thought I was dead. I was so shocked. I was so uh, scared. I did not look at my car at all. The radio host and CEO of Media Waves Communication has an online morning program. She often takes on issues in Surrey that directly affect the South Asian community. Earlier this month, she was involved in organizing a rally after two young men were gunned down. Obviously, there was um, some sort of... Uh, you know, opinions not meeting to each other and people have showed anger on social media about me. The RCMP have confirmed they are investigating what they call a vehicle with ballistic damage. But that's it. No suspect description, no suspect vehicle description. And at this point, 
no motive. So we won't be releasing any information. That's all still under investigation, whether the um, alleged shots uh, were fired from a vehicle or whether it was someone that was stationary or what the circumstances were still all under investigation. Opinions on South Asian media have sometimes been at the center of gunfire in Surrey. In 2010, a Surrey radio host was charged after shooting another man in the leg at a wedding reception. Although there is no link to her work, Khan believes it is her public views that have led to the shooting. I just love my community and I will go to any extent to help my community with anything. So if there's gang violence and if I have to be mouthy about it or if there's a problem in city, I have to talk about it. Uh, it's a benefit for my community. I'm not going to stop. Surrey RCMP are looking for any witnesses to come forward. Khan, although shaken, says she will continue to broadcast. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A brand new rainbow crosswalk in Surrey that was vandalized has now been cleaned up. The rainbow crosswalk at Old Yale Road and University Drive was little more than a week old when someone splattered white paint over it last weekend. Today, using a high-pressure steam cleaner, city crews restored the rainbow to its former glory. RCMP are investigating the vandalism as an act of mischief. Happy Pride season. Meantime, five flags were raised at Victoria City Hall today in support of the LGBTQ2 community. The flags include one for pride, transgender, non-binary, genderqueer, and two-spirit flags. The five flags will now fly in unison until July 6th. They will then be flown on the city of Victoria's float at the 25th annual Victoria Pride Parade on July the 8th. A confrontation on a transit bus in Vancouver escalates into a racist exchange that was caught on video and is now going viral. John Waugh explains what witnesses say led up to the incident and why one man decided to intervene. You're being racist. Drop it. No. Yeah, you are. At first, it's unclear who was actually being racist. I don't give a if you have a right. Then the accuser decides to make it perfectly clear. Yeah, go back to your country. The heated exchange happened on a transit bus Saturday evening just after a stop on 41st Avenue and Earl Street. Like they don't think I know they're talking about you, they're looking right at you. Witnesses say the woman in pink thought two older Asian women were talking about her friend in their native tongue. The aftermath captured on video by Randy Keeping. At that point I, I really had to jump in. It felt like an attack on her and she wasn't able to really stand up for herself. Shortly after, you can hear Keeping on the video do just that. This is not your land. They can speak any language they want. No, that's not yeah, they can. That's they not can. Not it is Canada. As a First Nations person, it's tough to watch. I've stood around sometimes, but uh, I think enough is enough. And uh, moving forward, I'll, I'll do the same. Transit police say video is helpful, but getting directly involved could potentially escalate a situation. So we're out and about. We're in stations, out on patrols. Let us deal with the incident. Uh, never put yourself in any kind of harm's risk. Sorry? You have something else to say? From verbal intimidation. What the hell? You need to go back to your country. To drunken tirades. Are you a Hindu? When did you come to Canada? Even in your face altercations. Racism in British Columbia has reared its ugly head with varying degrees of aggression. I don't want anyone to be seen getting hurt trying to stand up for themselves. So according to transit police, the best way to respond is by simply reporting it as soon as safely possible. It's not something that we get a lot of reports on. 
but I, I, I think we're aware that it, it does happen. You guys need to stop talking your language. The woman in pink has come forward and said she would meet with transit police. The man behind the camera hopes he doesn't witness something like this again anytime soon. John Hua, Global News. And TransLink is making it easier to find a reliable late-night ride home if you're in the downtown core. The pilot project is called the Night Bus. All 10 night bus routes will connect the downtown core with destinations across the region, starting at a new well-lit hub at Granville and West Georgia. All of these buses take you to where you need to go in the region. Three of the buses alone also service sort of the Burnaby, uh, Richmond, and the Tri-Cities area. They'll take you all the way out to Surrey Central and into the Richmond area. And they run sort of parallel to uh, the Expo Millennium and Canada lines. All routes will stop at Granville in Georgia every 20 to 30 minutes. TransLink says last departures from the downtown area range from just after 3 a.m., to just after 5 a.m., depending on the route. Some interesting findings in a new report on how easy it is to open a small business in B.C.'s biggest cities. When it comes to red tape and which city has the most of it, the worst offenders might surprise you. Ted Chernecki reports. According to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, this is the worst place in the province to do business when having to deal with City Hall. In its first ever attempt at measuring bureaucratic red tape, the Federation posed as would-be entrepreneurs online looking to set up shop. Three emails were sent to each local government. So we reached out, asked some questions such as what are the zoning bylaws, what sort of permits would I need to have, obtain, what's the delay to obtain those permits. Same questions for the business licensing. The best place with the least red tape is Kelowna. There, the CFIB got quick, accurate answers to their inquiries. But that's not to say this new business owner hasn't experienced other issues like with the BC Liquor Control Branch. Just the way it was sent to a smaller font and things like that that... uh wasn't acceptable. Certainly all three levels of government need to be working um, more closely to make sure that we're all aligned in process. Kelowna ranks first with a score of 86 points out of a possible 100. In the lower mainland, Port Moody is 20th out of 20 with a score of just 42%. And here are the rest of them, ranked 1 to 20. Delta, Langley City and Victoria rank pretty high. But on the other side of your screen and lower down, the North Shore, Burnaby, Poco, White Rock, New West and Port Moody fair poorest. My office is open, my phone number is on the website. If anybody was having real problems, I think I'd be hearing about it, and I'm not. Port Moody says it is updating its website to make it more user-friendly and admits being a small city makes it harder to respond like Kelowna. They were able to respond timely. They gave us accurate information, went above and beyond to make sure we had the permit applications, the business license applications attached to the email. So it was all laid out very simply for us. We asked several businesses here in Port Moody, and we couldn't find any who were unhappy with City Hall. Though most have been in business for more than a decade. Ted Chernacki, Global News. Right now, though, the family of a Comox teen who died suddenly while on a school trip has new information tonight about her mysterious death. A coroner's report now indicates 16-year-old Sarah Manitoski died from toxic shock syndrome. And while that's been linked to tampon use, that's not the sole cause of TSS. Kylie Stanton reports. We just don't understand... After months of not knowing how or why this seemingly healthy teenager died, her family finally has the answers they've been waiting for. Really devastating um, infection that unfortunately led to her death. 
The coroner's report released today states Sarah Marie Manitowski died of toxic shock syndrome, a complication from a bacterial infection that causes toxins to enter the bloodstream and can result in organ failure. The risk can increase with tampon use, and for Sarah, that's been identified as a factor. That's the, the observation that was made um, in this case, but um, certainly there are other ways that people can uh, get, get bacterial infections that might lead to toxic shock syndrome. Any open wound is susceptible if there's an overgrowth of bacteria. This applies to men as well. Still, the condition is extremely rare. In fact, there are no current statistics on the number of people diagnosed in British Columbia. She was healthy, completely healthy. It can also come on very quickly, often affecting otherwise healthy young adults, commonly menstruating women. What does life look like during your period? And while changes have been made to these products to encourage people to use them more frequently, this tragic death serves as a reminder. We do need to be educated about the products we use and for people to be aware that if someone is not looking well, think early about getting medical attention and getting them seen. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Well, after spending several weeks stuck in legal limbo, two more B.C. families are finally home with their newly adopted Japanese children tonight. As Grace Key reports, the Canadian government failed to issue visas to the babies until Global News got involved. I'm so excited. I just, I've been waiting so long to meet my grandson. Peggy Foti can't wait to get her hands on her grandson, Hiro. It's been a long, emotional journey to bring the baby home from Japan, where the family was struggling with bureaucratic confusion. Five BC families couldn't bring their adopted babies home after the Canadian government suspended issuing visas. There was confusion over a new requirement that Japanese courts authorize the adoptions. Families had to extend their stays and some spouses had to return for work. We're strong. We're, we, when you have kids, you do whatever you can for them. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> John Meyer arrived with his three-month-old son, Malachi, who was greeted by mom and two new sisters. Is he cute? Yeah. <laughs> How cute is he? <laughs> He's amazing. He's worth every, every second of it. So. <laughs> On Friday, the five families got word that their visas were approved. The federal government saying immigration processing has been halted on cases that are not already near completion, while they wait for clarification from the Japanese government. We're just so thankful that everyone came through at the end, and we're so thankful for everyone's hard work and telling our story and sharing it, because I really think that made a difference and helped us get home. Three B.C. families are now back home. Two others will be arriving later this week, all ready to start their lives with their new families. Grace Key, Global News. Thank you. A lot of smiles. Mm -hmm. Well, many of us are preparing for summer vacation, but be warned, there are countless travel scams out there. In fact, the Better Business Bureau says in 2017, 2,500 travel-related <laughs> rip-offs were reported to its scam tracker. Tonight, our consumer reporter, Andrea, is highlighting some of the most common scams to watch out for. And Those numbers are shocking, aren't they? Mm -hmm. I mean, thousands of scams. You have to be so alert. Thanks to you, too. When it comes to travel, it pays to be prepared. Scams can happen all over the world and target even the most experienced traveler. 
It's an old scam, but it continues. You hail a cab to your hotel only for the taxi driver to inform you the meter is broken. They end up charging you a lot more than what would the normal rate would be. Uh, you know, I'm not here to say that taxi drivers are all bad and do this. That's certainly not the case. Um, but it's, it's certainly one to look out for. Ordering tickets online for your favorite attraction? Be wary of discount sites. Instead, go to the actual attraction's legitimate website where it's more secure. Just be aware that there are people out there who will basically copy Groupon sites. Their one was shop-groupon.com that was shut down. Is someone calling your hotel room saying they're an employee? Don't fall victim to the fake hotel call. Typically, they're saying that they're from the front desk and they need to review your credit card details. Something's gone awry. And I can tell you that the thing to remember is that no one from the hotel will ever ask you to read out your credit card number. If in doubt, physically go down to the front desk and inquire. Travel experts say one of the most common scams around the world right now is the distraction scam. When fraudsters take advantage of you when you're distracted and not paying attention. Tactics include spilling something on you, pressuring you to buy souvenirs, or even asking you for the time while someone else is picking your pocket or purse. It's really always in the busy, busy locations. So popular tourist sites, it's on metros or their subway system, their bus system. So just be careful with your belongings. And be aware of cyber thieves who are becoming more sophisticated when it comes to scanning your chip and PIN numbers from your bank, credit cards, even passports. It used to be that they would have to double swipe those cards. And now they can get that information in some cases from seven, eight 10, 20 blocks away. They're scanning that information. So very important these days to go ahead and buy something here that will protect those chips. And you, they, what you're looking for is something that has RFID protection. Protection designed to block the signal from scammers. And when it comes to Airbnb and VRBO, remember there are plenty of rental scams out there. Make sure you stay within the security of their websites when it comes to payment. And of course, never wire money to someone you've never met. And if you have a consumer issue for me, there's my address at consumermatters at globalnews.ca. Good advice as always. Thanks very much, Anne. Caught on camera, the sole survivor of a small plane crash in Detroit miraculously rolls out of the plane and runs to safety. Witnesses rushed in to help, using an axe to break windows. Sadly, the boy's father, who was the pilot, and his mother did not survive. Investigators suspect a problem with the landing gear and a fuel emergency may have led to the deadly crash. One of the sons of a Canadian-Iranian professor who died in a Tehran prison says their house in Iran has been raided. Rahman Syed Imami claims their Tehran home was searched by authorities just as Iran was playing Portugal in the World Cup. Their family lawyer was present but not allowed inside during the raid. Imami claims his mother had a panic attack after being forcefully questioned and was rushed to hospital. Yesterday, Imami says authorities called his mom in for questioning over her travel ban, but ended up interrogating her about her husband instead. Environmental activist Kava Syed Imami was arrested by the Iranian regime and accused of being a spy. And in February, he was found dead inside a prison cell. His window or his widow has not been allowed to leave Iran since. We want to get on with our lives more than anything else. And until our mother is reunited with us, there's no no point in anything. And the story is, is much more than just about my family now. It's about standing up for what's right and and letting the world know what's really happening, you know, in a country like Iran. 
Authorities claim his father committed suicide in prison after learning of new allegations made against him. But human rights groups accuse Iran of orchestrating a state cover-up. A murder mystery in Southern California after a father was gunned down while on a camping trip with his young daughters. 35-year-old Tristan Baudet was shot multiple times at the iconic Malibu Creek State Park campground while he slept with his two- and four-year-old daughters by his side. Police say someone opened fire on the chemist from outside his tent, and there's no known suspect or motive. The girls were not hurt. Friends say Baudet was camping with them so that his wife, a doctor, could prep for an exam. Donald Trump may be about to rewrite his controversial immigration policy again, this time sending suspected illegal border crossers back without due process. The idea sure to face a constitutional challenge at a time when the policy's critics are starting to make their opposition personal. Today, President Trump extending a warm welcome to the King of Jordan, even as he proposes a new way to slam the door on illegal immigration. We want a system where when people come in illegally, they have to go out. Suggesting about those caught entering illegally, just bring them back from where they came with no judges or court cases. Where do you find 5,000 people to be judges? Rather than hire more judges to manage the backlog of cases, he says, do away with the legal process altogether. But that would violate the constitutional rights guaranteed even to non-citizens. They certainly have a right to be treated fairly and humanely and given a chance to fully uh, present their cases. This as members of Congress fan out along the border for a first-hand look at the detention centers before the House votes on an immigration bill this week. This is a detention facility, almost like a prison where the adults are detained. Meanwhile, the administration digging in. We're going to continue to secure the border. Even as political disagreement is crossing a new line. Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders asked to leave a Virginia restaurant over the weekend because she works for President Trump. We are allowed to disagree, but we should be able to do so freely and without fear of harm. And this goes for all people, regardless of politics. But a recent Gallup poll shows among Republicans, the president is still popular, his approval rate soaring at 90 percent. Blaine Alexander, NBC News, Washington. In Health Matters tonight, a new report is demanding action to address the staffing crisis in frontline seniors care. Linda Aylesworth has more on what the B.C. Care Providers Association says is needed to fix the labor shortage that's set to impact our aging loved ones. Hello, Mrs. Johnson. Good afternoon. Being a residential care attendant is gratifying work. Just ask Aureli Hernandez. I love this job. I really enjoy to be with them. Um, I don't know, they make sometimes like a feeling like part of my family. But it can also be challenging, especially when there's a shortage in the workforce, which according to a report by the BC Care Providers Association, there is. We do not have enough care aides in this province. Uh, we need more care aides. In fact, we need approximately 2,800 more care aides in the next five years. Of course, those who work with seniors in residential care, like registered nurse Kim Sofko, don't need a report to know times are tough. Extreme struggle, because you always have to maintain your professionalism and 
don't let the residents be aware of the changes and the challenges. So always maintaining. You always got to have a smile on your face. The situation is slightly better since the province committed $548 million to increase staffing over the next three years. But the shortage continues. We have a shrinking workforce because there's not as many people coming in. And we also have um, uh, the fact that not as many people are aware that seniors care is the fastest growing part of our economy in British Columbia. We need young people and we need people that are new uh, to Canada to uh, to enter this, this health care field and become care aides, nurses and registered nurses. The average caregiver earns $33 an hour in wages and benefits. If you're interested, check out bccare.ca slash bccares. We have jobs for you. We have very rewarding work and we can't wait to get you started. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration approving a drug derived from cannabis to treat severe forms of epilepsy. Epidiolex is an oral solution to combat seizures associated with two rare forms of epilepsy, including Dravet syndrome. It does not contain THC, the ingredient that gives recreational pot users a high. It's the first FDA-approved drug that contains a purified drug substance derived from marijuana. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Hero of the day. Canberra, uh, Belcon United head coach. How an Australian soccer coach saved the day after an intruder dominated the pitch at a local match. That's right after Christie's forecast. But right before we get to Christie, some wild weather in the Okanagan last night. A cold front brought powerful winds to the region, toppling trees and leaving a trail of damage. Kelowna, one of the hardest hit areas. And as Global Okanagan's Claudia Van Emmerich reports, homeowners are cleaning up after several close calls. A big cleanup following a big windstorm. Pretty eventful storm last night. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Monday morning's powerful winds leading to widespread damage right across the central Okanagan, including Kelowna's Rutland area. A loud night, lots of trees crashing down. Another tree over here by the park. Our neighbor's skylight blew off. Both of Lori Dixon's neighbors had trees topple over, this one landing on top of a shed, narrowly missing the house. And not far in the same neighborhood, this potentially dangerous situation. I just watched a tree wobbling and it just went over on the lines. <laughs> we had a few big sparks and then it's been hanging there all day. Falling trees wreaking havoc in front of Dorothea Elementary School, where a light standard ended up on a sidewalk and part of a fence was taken out. This kind of a mess that Mother Nature left behind is due to a cold front that swept through our region. Kelowna being one of the hardest hit areas with wind gusts reaching up to 61 kilometers per hour. Those wind gusts were even stronger by the water, reaching 111 kilometers per hour. The intense windstorm knocking out power to thousands in the central Okanagan, about 3,300 customers in Kelowna alone. Electricity companies with all hands on deck trying to restore power as fast as possible. There's so many small repairs that need to be done. So there's lots of small pockets that are without power as opposed to one widespread area. We're expecting all of Kelowna to be back online between 5 and 7 tonight. Residents not only looking forward to getting their power back on, but also a good night's sleep. A little rough for them last yeah. night, no doubt. Hard to imagine seeing the blue sky there no. today, for sure. All right, Christy yeah. Gordon joining us now with a look at our forecast. And mm -hmm. 
All of the, it, it was pretty crazy down here, too, in some parts. That's right. We've had uh, thunderstorms right across the province, but that intense line really rolled through the Okanagan Valley. You can see between about 2 a.m. and uh, 4 a.m. kicking up a number of uh, gusts through that area. Now, we also had spotty conditions through the afternoon hours. Here's that line, though, through the overnight period. You can see how intense it was and then rolled off into the Kootenai area as well. Still 7,000 homes without power at this time. In Campbell, River, a number of areas woke up to uh, hail. Uh, we saw those spotty conditions throughout the day today. Here's a look at the current situation. You can see we still have a number of thunderstorms, but that line now has now spread off into Alberta and is hammering just the northeastern corner of our province and through the Fort Nelson region, where we do have a severe thunderstorm watch in place right now. Also, rainfall warnings there with a good 30 millimeters of rain on top of the 20 to 30 you've seen already through the day. You'll see that heavy uh, overnight tonight. A reminder, our Sky Tracker app is very good, especially when you're dealing with severe weather and a number of thunderstorms. If you're curious where those thunderstorms are and where they're going, you need our Sky Tracker app, and you can get it on Android, iPad, or your iPhone. And we'll actually give you the storm track, which way it's going, how fast it's going. So you want to check that out for sure. Okay, so this is our forecast for tomorrow. We will see that rain continue in the Fort Nelson, Fort St. John region tomorrow. Temperatures not very warm, as you can see in Fort St. John, a big drop. And across the northern regions, these are below average for this time of year. Now, down through the south, finally things stabilize for you tomorrow. A mix of sun and cloud expected, low 20s. Still a chance of showers in the Columbia region, but generally that system is pushing off out of our uh, area. Now, for the south coast, a pleasant 20 degrees with a mix of sun and cloud. 20 is average for this time of year. As we head into our Wednesday evening, though, that's when the rain returns, but really two dry days on the way before showers are expected on Thursday. And then Friday and Saturday, we looks like we will dry out as we head into our long weekend. A reminder, uh, it's We Love Water Wednesday coming up. You want to send me your We Love Water tweets and I will show them on the news hour. And this great shot from this morning from Peter in Nelson looking out towards um, just down the Kootenai Lake area. So thanks, Peter, for that. Beautiful. Love Those are shot. after the storms, one of, I'm sure. Oh, one of the prettiest lakes around. Awesome. Thanks, Christy. The Australian national team competing at the World Cup in Russia right now is known as the Socceroos. But it was a different kind of Socceroo hitting the pitch down under this weekend. <laughs> Off he goes, leaps. He's now on the field. <laughs> Bounding over fences, a kangaroo jumped into the game at halftime during a match between Canberra's two top teams. The misguided marsupial dominated, returning during the second half and thwarted efforts to drive it away. The kangaroo delayed play for more than half an hour with players and officials kicking balls at him. Look at him. Eventually, though, a coach in a pickup truck chased the pitch invader from the stadium and Away it went. <laughs> it looks so fun. It does look fun. Chasing a kangaroo or just being a kangaroo? Being a kangaroo looks like fun. And they box too, right? Oh, they do mm-hmm. box, yeah. But you know what? If you could teach that thing how to play soccer, he'd be great on set pieces. Can you imagine the height he'd get for the header? <laughs> nobody, Dude, nobody could unbelievable. compete. Yeah. All right, Squire, to, then you have to get a kangaroo to play goal on the other team, and pretty soon it'll just be all kangaroos. <laughs> Imagining vacations oh. at the beach. What would you all, wear? All I the heard sunshine was, and all on I heard the was sand. Bathing suits and midriffs, and you were talking about it. Well, uh, anyway, 
You don't want it. You're, you're glad you're a guy. Is what you're saying? Well, I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shorts you have is less for guys. choice. You have less choice than, than we. Well, do. you do. I mean, if you want to wear a board bikini, shorts you can. or speedos. Always I know choose which one the board I shorts. You gotta go with the, the board shorts. shorts. Uh, the Canucks have made contract offers to three of their restricted free agents: Jake Vertanen's, Van Berchi, and Troy Stetcher. That's not surprising at all. What is a bit surprising is that they didn't offer something to Derek Pouliot, who will be an unrestricted free agent July 1st, but the Canucks apparently are still speaking to him to try and get something done, maybe a one-year contract if he's interested. Griffin Molino, who spent most of last season in Utica, was one of the other players who didn't get a contract offer. Well, Iranian fans felt their team needed some help before today's game against Portugal, so they spent the night in front of the hotel that Cristiano Ronaldo was staying in and made noise all night to try and keep him awake. Perhaps a bad night's sleep would slow down Portugal's main man. They used drums. They used those vuvuzela things that sound like bees. They blew those a lot at the South African World Cup a few years ago. They did anything to make noise. He even came to the window, Ronaldo, to ask the fans to stop to allow him to sleep. Really, Portugal needs to hide where Ronaldo is staying a little bit better than happened. Well, there he is. He looks wide awake. Taking on Iran. Let's play. Ricardo Caresma. Oh, that's impressive. one nothing for the Spanish. Is Ronaldo awake enough to score in a penalty kick? Ronaldo? No, apparently not. He is stopped. And then a penalty kick for Iran. And Karim. Anis Fafard. In. So it's 1-1. And then a chance for Iran to win. If they score... Portugal's out and Iran continues. Chance for Mehdi Taremi? No! So the tears flow. The green tears for Iran. They play well in this World Cup, but they're out and Portugal continues. I know. I know. Spain, Morocco. Morocco already out, but breakaway for Morocco. Khalid Boutaib, back of the net. Spain would tie, then Morocco would have the lead again. And then late in the game, they actually had to go to video replay to make sure he wasn't offside. Iago Aspas with the tying goal, 2-2 is the final. Russia and Uruguay, that has to be the happiest flag on earth, the Uruguay flag. It's a happy sun, who doesn't like a happy sun? All right, Luis Suarez, who thankfully still hasn't bitten anybody at the World Cup this year. He scores there to make it 1-0 for Uruguay against Russia. Both of these teams going to the next round for sure, but who finishes first in the group? That depends on who wins this game. Uruguay wins. That's another own goal. There's been six in this tournament. I should have picked own goal in my pool. Uh, Uruguay wins it 3-0. Saudi Arabia beat Egypt in another game 2-1, so two round of 16 matchups decided June 30th. Uruguay, which hasn't lost a game yet. They've won all three against Portugal, who haven't lost but have two draws. Same with Spain. They'll take on Russia on July 1st. We mentioned it before the break. Argos quarterback Ricky Ray injured but released from hospital today. But he will be out quite a while after suffering a serious neck injury Saturday against Calgary. They had to stretcher him off the field that night. He does have use of all his extremities, and that is great news. But in football, an injury of that magnitude is always lurking for every player. And when it happens, it shakes up every player. Fan or foe, nobody wants to see a player get injured. 
Argos quarterback Ricky Ray suffering an undisclosed neck injury and left him laying motionless on the field for 15 minutes in the Argos game against the Stampeders on the weekend. Yeah, they're very careful to move him. Now they're stabilizing. I think it's a reminder how you know, violent this this game is. And sometimes it can be unforgiving. And, um, the, the fact that the career is so short. An obvious concern on the field. And the harsh reality of pro sports is their career can be ended and a life forever altered with one hit. Lions receiver Brian Burnham was part of Tulsa's university team when Tulane's Devon Walker became paralyzed from the neck down after being on the wrong end of this hit. You guys still have to play a football game after that happens. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? It's tough. A guy from University of Tulane ended up breaking his neck in a game and you know, this is a guy that was a medical student going on to be a doctor, and now he's fighting for his life. So uh, it puts things in perspective. You know, this is just a game. But the game within the game is managing the emotions of doing whatever it takes to win and the price you might end up paying. It's the heavy stuff you don't think about when you're studying the playbook or when you're in the heat of the battle. You know, when you're in the game, you're not thinking about it. I think it's when you take a step outside the game and you're watching it like that, it's like, whoa, these guys are really coming. Ricky Ray remains hospitalized, and the good news is he has feeling in all extremities. Jay Janowar, Global Sports. And did I say Spain when I was talking about Portugal? I think you did. I know you looked at me funny. I thought, why is she looking at me funny? Well, that was the reason. Well... I thought I was that's looking at you with this great one. affection and admiration. No, but if you think it was it's not. It was, like, it was like, whoa, what's up with this guy? Yeah. It was this look. Coming up on ET Canada, Roseanne and Kanye clarify their controversies. And Paul Rudd previews Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Back to you. Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be a hit. Thanks very much, Carlos. All right, Wally. We love Wally. Well, it's mm-hmm. his last year. Is it? Yep, he's not going to be in the CFL after this year. It's his farewell tour. Is it like Cher's farewell tour? Well, it's like the Sedin's farewell tour, except it lasts longer than a week. Yeah. The Sedin's told us one week before they were going to quit. Wally, at least we know we got an entire year of uh, watching him. Maybe, maybe just he'll go out with a Grey Cup victory. But let's uh, let's learn more about the man, the myth, the legend, Wally Buono. Wally Buono is one of those coaches whose emotions are as guarded as his playbook. Looking at him from afar gives you no indication of what he's feeling or what he's like. But those around him are happy to fill in the blanks. He cares about people. He doesn't come off that way. You know, you don't, you know, he's a proud Italian guy and, you know, but he deeply cares about these kids. He's honest, you know, he's loyal. He expresses exactly what he feels and what he's meaning, and he'll he'll tell you your he'll he'll explain his expectations of you, and he'll hold you to him. And it's that last trait that players appreciate the most: the coach who is not afraid to tell you what's up, even if it's bad news. There, there there's a coward in all of us. You know, uh, if you succumb to it, uh, you know, then uh, you lose the respect of the players around you. We live in a world where uh, respect is, is important. In the sports world, they don't have to like you, okay? They, they, but they have to respect you. He expects um, greatness, you know, and I think that's why he's been so successful. Guys hate to let him down. Man, this game ball goes to, uh, man, our general, our leader, you know, Wally, and just, you know, everything you've done for us, Coach, keeping us focused on everything, so this game ball goes to you, Coach. Yeah. Starting as a player, Wally Buono has been in the CFL since 1973, which means he has done something even more impressive than winning more games than any other coach. 
He's also been able to juggle football with family life. When you're in the season, your job is your priority. Uh, you know, when you have time with your family, your family is your priority. You know, it's hard to, uh, to say that they're both your priorities because you can't, you're cheating somebody. Yeah, you know, you, you, you can't, I don't think, be uh, totally focused on what you're doing if you don't have that support at home. One more thing about Wally. He's not just a great coach. He's apparently a great cook. Well, I've practiced enough, right? My wife doesn't necessarily love to cook, so when we're on vacation, I cook. When I'm home, I always cook, and she's got her strengths. And, uh, you know, my son, God bless him, uh, just opened up a restaurant uh, in Gibson. Uh, He said he got his cooking aspirations from me. So it appears Wally Buono will leave two legacies, one in football and one in food. That's cool. Wally said, I asked him his recipes. He refused to give them to me because most of them are at Buono. his son's restaurant. At Buono, some good Italian food, I'm imagining yes, there. Exactly. Sounds yes. delicious. Got to make the trip for that. Mm-hmm. There you go. No well doubt. done. Thanks, Squire. Final word on the weather? Sure. So a dry day tomorrow. Really nice day, actually. Wednesday, we'll see a bit more cloud, and you can see the temperature drops, especially on Thursday. But we rebound for the long weekend. That's good. Canada Day mm-hmm. on Sundays. It's going to be fun. All right. Thanks very much for watching. Have a great night, folks. Happy landing. <laughs>